Well, this morning we begin a new series, which will be going for the next month or so. Uh, Come, follow. And uh, the subtitle for today is All In. All In. We want to do that through the lens today of a story um, in Mark's Gospel of a young man coming to Jesus. He was rather anxious because he wasn't really confident that he had the stuff, uh, the goodness, the character uh, to attain to eternal life. Now, I know that here in this place uh, that we probably should have pretty great confidence in that fact of eternal life. Um, because the preaching of the church through now more than 2,000 years has been that faith, trust in Jesus is a sure and certain pathway to life with God beyond uh, this age that we live in. Now, I know that even though um, faith is key, we here have faith. There are times when I've met people who are still unsure about their standing with God. Some folks just have not actually understood That God's acceptance of us, God's welcome of us, is entirely his gift to us. If you want to get your phones out and have a look, if you've got a Bible app on your phone, um, the reading is Mark chapter 10 and starting at verse 17. Or maybe like me today, you have um, one of these old-fashioned things with pages and covers and stuff. And so we begin to read, because we're going to spend quite a lot of time in this reading today. As Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Can you get a sense there of his anxiety, his disturbance and uncertainty? Why do you call me good, Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, nor give false testimony. You shall not defraud, honour your father and mother. We recognise those words as coming from the Ten Commandments, don't we? Teacher, he declared, all these things I have kept since I was a boy. Jesus looked at him and loved him. You know, I've read those words over and over again this week and I've been thinking, Jesus looks at me and he 
loves me. I want you to hear that today, that Jesus looks at you and loves you. Jesus looked at the man and loved him. One thing you lack, he said, go sell everything you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. At this, the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. How do you think of yourself? I guess most of us would say, well, I'm a Christian. And that would be true if you've put your faith and trust and hope and your life into the hand of Jesus. I think there's a bit of a danger at times of thinking of ourselves in this way because um, it kind of can enable us to say, well, this is what a Christian does and this is what I'm going to do and then I'm, everything is okay. Better for us, I believe, to think of us as followers of Jesus. Because following is something we do in real time. Something that we work out as we go. Something that is dynamic and living and wonderful. I probably don't need to... uh, just make some points here about being a follower of Jesus, but I'm going to do it anyway because it's good to be reminded of certain things. And we'll do that through the lens of the disciples that followed Jesus 2,000 years ago. What did they do? What was important to them? How was it that they conducted themselves as followers of Jesus? Well, one of the first and most obvious things was that they um, were with Jesus. Pretty basic, isn't it? They were physically with Jesus. Now, I know you might say to me, well, we can't be with Jesus uh, because he's been raised to life and is in heaven and he's not here on the face of the earth anymore, in a physical sense. And yet we can say that we can be with Jesus. What was it Jesus said about the Holy Spirit? That he said, unless I go, the Spirit cannot come. And we know that just as Jesus was the fullness of God, so too is the Holy Spirit the fullness of God. Of God eternal. And it is the Holy Spirit who brings the presence of Jesus, the presence of God, close to us, available to us. And so we too are through the work and ministry of the Holy Spirit can be with Jesus 
I remind you that where two or three are gathered together in his name, that Jesus is surely right here. We're gathered in Jesus' name today, so that means that Jesus walks amongst us. That means that Jesus is here. That means that Jesus is available. It means that we can hear Jesus speak to our hearts. It means that we can understand what he is saying. It means that we can be changed just as those men and women were so long ago. Being a follower of Jesus means observing what he does. Have you been observing what Jesus does in your sphere, around you, in your community, in your family, in your church? Because following Jesus demands of us that we observe what Jesus is doing. Following Jesus means going where he sends. That could be a little bit tough for quite a few of us, I reckon. It's tough for me at times to go where he sends. Following Jesus is actually living a life for the glory of God, our Father, and for the sake of the gospel. If I can put that another way, it's actually living a life for the sake of those who are yet lost and separated from God. It's living a life that calls them back into fellowship with God. So it's a life of worship, a life of focusing upon the wonderful gift that God has given to us in Christ. And if we see what the disciples did, we see that they too were, like Jesus, their master, repudiating evil, standing against evil, healing the effects of those who find themselves uh, caught up in the schemes and wiles of the evil one. They too cast out all the uh, forces and presence of evil in people's lives. They too refused to partner with those things which are against God and his great good plan for us. Now that's the end of my list, but um, I I guess um, you you might, I'm hoping you would have been thinking of some other things that... um, relate to how it is that you uh, need to be uh, following Jesus because his claim on our lives is no different to what it was 2,000 years ago. It's no different when he says, come follow me. This is what it means. The pivot in this story Um, this account of the young man. I I think he was a young man. He may not have been. 
um, coming to Jesus is in this verse. Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack, he said, go sell everything you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. It's a pivot in the story because something is revealed to the young man that he wasn't really aware of before. And that was the thing that was at the centre of his life. What was at the centre of his life? It was being wealthy. It's, under, it's important to understand for us this morning that um, being wealthy in, uh, in the context of the life and times of Jesus was a very critical and important thing and had great weight uh, in the community because if you were wealthy, that was a clear and present sign of God's blessing, of the fact that you were... Um, Blessed and honoured by God. It was a clear and present sign that things were well with you. It's interesting, isn't it, that the young man um, had no assurance that things were well with God, even in, in the state of his wealth. And I guess it's fair to say that even today, um, rich people have a, a probably a more than um, a fair share of uh, fame and influence and, and so on. And we too sometimes can think, well, if that person has done so well, then surely God is doing something for that person. And in fact, Jesus is very clear in his revelation of this to the man that his wealth was actually getting in the way of him following Jesus. Just turning back a page or two, um, a chapter or so, uh, we find um, Mark recording uh, these words um, about the way of the cross. Then he called the crowd to him along with his disciples and said, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. The young man was asked, being asked to give up something at the very centre of his life, that would enable him to follow. And I guess as I launch into this part of what I've prepared for you today, the question ought to hang over us. Uh, is there anything that you need to give up that is at the centre of your life, that is, in fact, preventing you from following Jesus? That's a very personal question, isn't it? It would be great if we could just 
um, kind of have a little thought bubble above each other's heads and know exactly what it was at the centre of our lives that actually might be preventing us from truly following Jesus. Of course, we haven't got that. And it would be pretty scary, really, if you could see what's on over my head. But it's true, isn't it, that the call of Jesus is actually about um, forsaking, denying ourselves, giving up something, giving up those things which actually prevent us from fully being followers of Jesus in order that we might do so. And today our story is about what was at the very centre and the very heart of this man. It was the pursuit of wealth, the pursuit of uh, position and status in his community, the pursuit of comfort, physical comfort. And we learn in this story that he was unable to actually give that away. And in many ways... I got to this point and thought, what a tragic end. I was, would just be lovely if that man had been able to say, yes, Lord, and go and do uh, what Jesus had revealed to him that he needed to do to have treasure in heaven and to gain eternal life. What are you paying attention to? Uh, what are the drivers that drive you along as a person? Are they the things of this world? Or are they something else? What is occupying the centre of your being? What is it that influences most of your decisions in life? And if I could add another another question. Why? Are you chasing power, influence over others? Are you chasing security, status? Are you chasing comfort above all else? Are you looking to attain acceptance and a sense of belonging? Even a focus upon our families can take us away from being followers of Jesus. Perhaps the legacy 
the inheritance that you have from your families, from your family, are actually having an undue influence on the way that you think, the way that you act, and the things that are important to you. Are you living under a burden of expectation? The expectations of others. Do you have at the centre of your life an overwhelming desire to create a heritage and a legacy for your children and your children's children? Again, my list has stopped. But maybe there's something that Jesus has been revealing to you as I've been speaking about the things that may be in the centre of your life that need to be put aside, laid aside and taken afresh to follow him. Let's uh, just continue on with the story because we're close to when we need to stop talking. Verse 23, Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. And I think that word rich, uh, we need to make beyond uh, just being wealthy, but those things which are at the centre that take us away from God. The disciples were amazed at his words, but Jesus said, to him, said again, Children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for, a, for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were even more amazed and said to each other, Who then can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, With, with man this is impossible, but not with God. All things are possible with God. Then Peter spoke up, we have left everything to follow you. Truly I tell you, Jesus replied, no one who has left home or brothers or sisters or a mother or father or children or fields for me and the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age. Homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children and fields along with persecutions in the age to come and in the age to come, eternal life. But many who are first will be last, and the last first. It's important that we read those final words because they are a word of hope, and they point us to the power that is available to us to enable us to give up to deny ourselves that which uh, is separating us from following Jesus. If this story means anything to us, it ought to tell us that we can't do it on our own. We can't do it of ourselves. We have no real power to deny those things and to follow Jesus. But we do have God the Holy Spirit who comes and dwells within us, and so God dwells within us, and it is God's work to do the impossible 
within us. Can you hear that word of hope today? There are two words I guess I want you to hear. One, what is it that God wants you to change and deliver up to him? And I want you to hear that God is able to do exceedingly more than you could ever ask or imagine. And the promise that we find in his word is sure and strong. Whatever we give up, God will return to us a hundredfold in this age and the next. I'm under strict instructions not to go beyond 10, 15. (laughs) But seriously, uh, following Jesus is about being all in, isn't it? It is about being aware of being serious about our life before God, of knowing those things in our lives that need to be put aside and changed. It is about trusting Jesus to do that work in us in order that we might simply be with him, hear from him, go where he goes and go where he sends. We, together in this place, in the love of Jesus, um, are in a safe place to put our trust once more into the hands of our loving Lord Jesus Christ. Let us pray. Dear Lord, we recognise your presence with us today and we thank you so much that we are in this place where we can honestly and openly commune with you and know what you are saying to us. And Lord, we would ask together uh, this day in, in your beautiful name, Lord, that you would reveal to us those things which we do need to set aside, those things which we need to leave, those things which um, are not doing us any good at all, those things which are preventing us from following you. And as we do that, Lord, we understand and know fully and completely that, Lord, you are able to take those things away and deliver us up into a new way of living for you, a new way of being. And so, Lord God, we thank you and pray, Lord, for the courage to speak with you now, to know in our hearts what it is that you want us to do. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.